There you are. God is, oh, wow, I almost fell. Because I have Crocs. <laughs> uh, so, a um, couple things with uh, Crocs. If you're single, do not wear them. And if you're married, wear them when your spouse is not looking. Masha's in the kiddos. And so tell her, oh. Okay. Let's go to the Lord in scripture and in prayer. Forget about this last moment. No. Um, <laughs> actually, I want to talk about shoes <laughs> this morning. And uh, we've been on this, uh, on this talk on the armor of God, and we're just continuing this conversation about what the armor of God is and, and, and what it may look like in their life. And um, today, kind of a part three or part four, but we're talking about the third piece of armor that we read in Ephesians. Uh, and so I'm going to read that and, uh, and talk a little bit about this whole, for this phrase about putting on the gospel of peace. Um, let's just go straight into it. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. And as you guys flip your scriptures, Bibles to it, it's on the screen. We're going to read this, uh, just read it together. Finally, be strong in the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. If we can move the camera lens because my eyesight is already bad. For our struggle is not against... Ah, struggle is against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, which is the thing that holds everything together. Righteousness, like armor on your chest, which is what we talked about last week, and that is understanding that God calls us to righteousness, but it's not self-righteousness. It's righteousness that only he provides, and part of it is imputed, given at salvation, and part of it is imparted, which is something that we work out and we walk in, um, his righteousness. And then this last verse, 15, is what I want to focus on this morning. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Father, I thank you that you have moved this morning. God, I thank you that you've convicted us this morning. God, I thank you that you did not start moving only this morning, God, but you have been moving, you have been speaking, you have been engaging with your people throughout this past week, Father. I thank you that you're a God that relates to humanity. And I pray, God, as we consume your word, as we eat 
of your word that you continue to reveal yourself to us. Continue to, Father, show us what you would have us do, how you would have us engage, God. And, and I pray that we hear with the ears, not so that we know the information, Father, but that it, it is deeply planted within our hearts and begins to produce fruit that honors you. And Father, I thank you. You are a good God, and I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. So, this passage about the armor of God is kind of interesting because at first you may we may think that there is not much to talk about on the peace of God, but I come to find out that that the peace of God, the gospel of peace, uh, it's not every, it's, it's not something that we all fully walk out in, meaning that we know the peace of God and we know scriptures and we'll read scriptures. And when we're listening to this on Sundays, it's easy for us to say amen to. It's easy for us to agree with. But when life hits us, this peace that we so talk, so, so talk about and read about so much seems to fade away and slip away in those moments when it is critical for us not to lose our peace, we tend to lose our peace, kind of like our keys. Where are they? I have no clue, except we don't always stop and, and, and realize that we have lost our peace until everything has you know, subsided. And so the gospel talks about peace and, and there's a, a worldly peace and then there is biblical um, Christ peace and, and there is a difference. There's a difference. And the way that Paul writes is he's talking about this aspect of the gospel of peace and the readiness to even present the gospel of peace in a form of shoes, something that we put on. And, um, and as we look at the whole armor, it is like an armor piece. So um, if you go out to battle in Crocs, you will probably die. And probably die from humiliation more than anything else. Um, <laughs> but shoes... Um, Shoes in the Roman times, and even now, it's, it's very, very important. Um, you know, having people who are preppers and are awaiting the um, apocalyptic end of the world, and people who have even been in the military, they, they, they can tell you how important having proper shoes and, and socks are to your survival. And what's interesting is that um, actually feet are, you know, like we, it snowed, right? And some people get cold and they put on a jacket, and that's okay. But if you put on socks and, and cover your feet, that's actually going to create a, a better way for you to be warm and stay warm. So uh, uh, feet are, 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 are important. And I heard someone say, and I don't know if this is true or not, maybe someone here knows, that, um, and maybe you can say this about all parts of the body, but feet are one of the most sensitive parts. Yeah, see, you guys are smart. Okay, good. Um, and, and so it becomes, you know, it's easy for us to say every piece of the armor is critical. And, and it's true. You know, the breastplate we talked about is critical because it preserves your vital organs. The, the, the belt of truth is critical because it holds everything together. The shoes of peace is also, is also critical because in the, for the Romans and even now it gives, 
it does kind of three things. It, it keeps and gives you ability to be mobile. So if you have tightly, nicely fitted shoes, it's easier for you to move around. It also gives you stability and even balance. And so um, having poor shoes really can mess up anything. And it, it's, 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 it's going to compromise how you stand. And it's also going to compromise how you walk. Because you're going to be focused on the discomfort of your shoes. And so the Roman attire and how they would put on their shoes and their sandals is that it, it, there's like laces that are pretty thick and they would strap them, not just you know here, but the strap would go all the way right up to under your knee, up to your kneecap. So all of this would be strapped. And even there's even piece for your shins because you know, you wanna, you wanna destroy someone, kick them in the shin. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and not only that, but they were strapped really, really tight and also, um, the thing with uh, Roman shoes was that they actually had spikes in the bottom of them, kind of like cleats, which is what keeps them stable and, and grounded so they'll be able to take their position and not be moved. Because the battles back then primarily were hand-to-hand -hand combat. So if your shoe fell off, that's probably the last thing you see. And if, if it's wet and you're slipping and sliding, you don't have great um, you're not positioned really well. And so it becomes, becomes impossible for you to even fight. And, and Paul is using this analogy to talk about our battle in the spiritual realm, that, that we have to have tightly fastened the shoes of peace. And, and, and I don't want to just walk through that and be like, well, you guys get it, right? It's talking about peace. Um, Peace is far more than a feeling. And peace, how can I even say this? Peace is not the absence of turmoil or war. When we were in Ukraine, there's, it's interesting because there was chaos everywhere and there was no peace. Like there was not the physical presence of peace. But wherever we went, there was a, not a moment where we lacked peace. And not only that, when we went into environments where they were like honoring God and they were you know, praying and, and, and praying for people and worshiping God and they were rooted in, in their faith. You walk into these environments and it is busy. Like everyone's doing something. And the word that did not come to our mind was chaos. It, that was not the word that came to our mind. It was like, wow, they're busy. But even in their busyness, even in the midst of turmoil and chaos, there was peace. There was peace, and with peace came this feeling of a sanctuary, of stability. And in certain times, 
when you're in that environment, you kind of forget about the chaos that's going on, going, going on around you. And so it's one thing for us to think about peace when it comes down to not having war, right? Um, but peace is far more than not having issues, turmoils, or situations rise up. The Old Testament word for peace is shalom. And the New Testament word for peace is arene. And it means something much more than just a feeling. Um, and I want to emphasize this significantly because the absence of turmoil or conflict is what many of us call peace. And that is what we seek after. No one don't touch me, don't bother me, don't trigger me, right? We're always triggered and, and we have our peace as long as no one triggers me. So it's a very conditional peace. If nothing bad happens, I'm at peace. And if that's you, you've taken on the world's definition of peace. And God calls us to something far greater than not being touched so that we can remain in peace. Kind of like love. Love is not about liking people who agree with you and who resonate with you. God says, actually, love, I'm calling you to love your enemy, not just your friend. So there's always much more depth in what God calls us to do. Jesus, when he was about to get crucified in John chapter 14, uh, I don't know if I have it on here, but this, yeah, John 14, 27, basically he tells his disciples, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And then he contrasts it by saying, not as the world gives, so I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. And as he's saying this, he is going to the cross. He's going to die. And he knows it. And so when you know that something's about to happen and you can still walk in peace and you can still encourage other people about this peace, it's, it's beyond theology where we just understand it with our minds. This is... This has to be our reality. This has to be our reality. And what's interesting, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. There's a contrast, do I give to you? And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, meaning that you can allow your hearts to be troubled. He says, you will be, you will be given opportunities to allow your hearts to be troubled, for anxiety to be the thing that runs your life, for fear to dictate what and how you live. He says, you have that authority to choose that for your life. He's not saying that you will not have situations where you're going to you know, they're, they're going to be conflicting. He's not saying that you're going to have a, a world and a life that excludes trials and tribulations and issues. He's saying you will, but even though you will, you still have the authority to choose whether you will allow that to reign in your life or not. And I think it is so easy for us to 
tap into the world's understanding of peace because that is what we're familiar with. And so it is only normal that we lose our peace as soon as there's conflict. That's what we see in the world. That's what we see in our families. It's very, very normal for us to have the peace of God that we think is a peace of God just wavering based on our situations, based on our um, conditions. The Bible talks about peace, and it's not just about calmness. When the Bible talks about peace, and there's, I'm not going to go into all the scripture verses, but I'm going to read a few from the Old Testament. It expands into something much more than just calm. And if you read in Genesis, which is the first one, there's, there's a word that you will read when it's, the word is rest. When people, you know, um, I can't, read, I'm not going to read the scripture for you, but, but one of the things that, that represents shalom or that we, you know, the words that are translated in the Old Testament for shalom are, one of them is rest. So, so one of the things that Jesus is talking about leaving this peace and having this peace with us is this form of rest. It's this form of not being busy bodies and always a hustling and always moving forward. But it is this, 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 this idea of rest is part of God's peace. Another word for shalom is safety. Another word for shalom is fullness. Meaning nothing is lacking. Another word for shalom is full reward. Another word for shalom is health. Another word for shalom is completeness. So this is, this is far more than, about, than just about staying calm. Biblical peace is something far greater because it is talking about completeness, wholeness. It is wanting us to be in a place where there is no lack. And what this means is that the wholeness is not just spiritual. This is talking about your work life, your family life, your hobbies, your finances, your relationships. It's talking about um, having single vision, completeness, wholeness in all areas of your life. Having it all work together. And so no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter your circumstances, it's not just about being calm because you're not disrupted. But it's about knowing that you are walking in single-mindedness and you're walking in completion with God. So rejecting God eliminates real peace because God encompasses peace. So peace is something that God represents because God lacks nothing. Contentment. Rejecting God eliminates real peace because peace is not just the absence of turmoil. Peace is actually the presence of God. 
And it's not just in theory, it's something that's actualized. And it's not just a feeling, it's, it's a deep knowing that God is with you no matter what. It's that stabilizing factor in your life that no matter what you are facing, you will not lose your peace because you are holding on to him. And many times we release the Prince of Peace to hold on to temporaries, fears, anxieties, depressions, issues of life. And so, to be, the Bible talks about being readiness with the gospel of peace. Meaning that you have to experience the peace of God for you to be ready to share the gospel of the peace of God. Does that make sense? That means that you cannot talk to people about peace if you're not living in peace. You know, you cannot tell people about this depthness to God where you are lacking that depthness yourself. Because it's going to fall flat on people's ears because they will, they will hear what you're saying and then they will see how you're living. And they'll say, something is not right with what you say and how I see you live. And you can speak peace until you turn blue. You can declare peace over your life until you turn blue. But whenever life hits you, how is it that you walk? And if, you, and if peace evades you during those moments, that means that you have lost your peace. And if you've lost your peace, you will never be able to win any battles. Have you ever been in a conflict situation and the person in control is the person who has peace? The person who's lost the control is the person who has lost all peace. And it becomes challenging whenever you're a parent because in a lot of cases, you are the one that has lost peace with your kids. And they're looking at you like, um, wow, you need some real help. You've completely lost it. Um, and it's, it's easily visible because we know areas where we're like, man, we've completely detached ourselves from the peace of God and attached ourselves to the peace of the world. Right? Where it's like, ah, if my kids were good, then I'll have peace. There'll be peace in this house. And as soon as the kids do what the kids do, the peace leaves. And God's like, um, why are you detaching yourself from me in the moment that you need me the most? In the moment where you should step, be stepping into this inner peace that you already possess, that you already have. Why are you walking away from it and attaching to a feeling? And so when it comes down to peace, there are three kind of big ideas of, of, of this sense of, of the word peace. And I want to really quickly go through them. Um, the first one is, is the peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God unless you have first and foremost peace with, with God. This is the standing kind of a peace. This is the imputed type of a peace. And, and the gospel of peace is the message that Jesus gave to everyone who trusted in him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 says, Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which you have received, in which you also stand. Verse 2, by which you are also saved, if you, if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I passed on to you as most important what I also have received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. And this is how peace is attainable for you and me. This is a profound aspect of the gospel because this gospel brings peace. And the gospel simply means good news. And it's not just, hey, here's another piece of good news. The gospel means that this is good news that's too good to be true. It's an emphasis on how good this news is. And so to get peace with God is what we call salvation, right? It is the thing where you're like, God, I give you my life. And how this happens and, what, and, and the whole procedure, all this, this is what happens when we ask people to say a prayer with us, right? It's this acknowledgement and belief that Jesus came to reconcile humanity with the Father. And the only way that, the only way that humanity has to, is reconciled is through the shedding of blood. Because there's justice, because there's sin, because there's death. And so Jesus makes a way for each person to receive not just a peace that's in a can, but the Bible says that he is the prince of peace. Meaning that when you receive Jesus, you have all the peace you need for whatever life has to throw your way. And so this is believing that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected. This is believing and giving your life over to him. And this is the whole battle that we we're talking about. This is the moment where we get plucked out of the kingdom of darkness and positioned into the kingdom of light. This is where we become slaves to Satan. And this is when we, Satan becomes our enemy. This is where we are going from orphan to being part of God's family. This is a transitional moment where it is theological, there is things that are happening that you may not fully understand, but it's more real than life itself. Um, and people describe their experience of salvation in very different ways. But it is something that requires us to be convicted of our sin and to place our complete trust in Jesus and give him our whole life. And we'll give you guys an opportunity after this message today to, to do just that as well. So that's the peace, the peace with God, a portion. He has brought peace and reconciliation through his death, the blood that was shed on our behalf. So now we don't have to die for our wickedness. He is taking on that punishment on our behalf. Um, and then so... Once you have peace with God, because that is the most important peace that you can ever have. Now, you can step into the experiential peace, and that is the peace of God. And this is what Jesus was talking about in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. And in Philippians 4, we read this, and this is a very familiar passage for those of us who have been in church. Do not be anxious, anxious about anything, but in everything... 
through prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus so there's this peace that is not just a peace that you get with God when you give your life to God. Not, you're not only just reconciled with God, so whenever you see him, he's going to see you as his, as his child. This, is, this peace of God is the peace, of, is the peace that we need every single day. It's the peace that, that what I was talking about being in Ukraine, that, that there's war outside the walls, and yet there's a peace inside that... There are no words to describe or explain. It's, it really, truly just surpasses our understanding. Like, how is this possible? How can we have confidence and be in a place that's full of destruction and turmoil? And you can't really explain it. You just know that it's there. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts. And be thankful. This means that the peace of God could take a back seat in your life. So you may have peace with God. You're saved and God has bought you and you know it. And you have a relationship with him and you're being discipled. But then this whole idea of the peace of God ruling your life is this growth element. Where more and more we give God control and surrender more and more of our life. Because it is indeed something that could rule our life but it doesn't get there by default we have to give peace permission to rule our life and once we begin to walk in this peace then it goes to this last portion of peace and that is having peace with others All right, having peace with your family members having peace with your co-workers um, Ephesians 2, actually let me just read this, uh, this one, Romans 12, 18. When people come and talk about issues and conflicts, you know, and especially a lot of times people try to have you fix the other person, right? It's always this thing where a lot of times it's, we, ne we don't look at ourselves, we look at other people and what they're supposed to do and how they've wronged us and, and them, them, them. And I always quote the scripture, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. If it's possible with you, be at peace or live at peace with everyone. And so you have this power now to be able to live and walk in peace with everyone but but it is determined on and as long as you do everything in your power because now God has empowered you to live in peace and so if you can imagine the practicalities of this is that is that no matter what situations you find yourself in no matter what's going on no matter what kind of condition you walk into you're not only a someone who can bring peace with your words but you're also the carrier of peace himself and that peace Whenever it enters the room of chaos, shifts the atmosphere in whatever place you, you walk into. It truly does. And it is amazing to experience that. Um, and a lot of times you don't really know. And so you just, you walk into this place and you'll show up. And you're like, what's, what's going on? It seems like there's like confusion, but yet there's peace. And what, <laughs> what happens is that, that when you walk in peace and you show up in a room where there's a conflict or, or situations, your presence 
switches the atmosphere. And then the people who are in conflict, they don't know what happened. <laughs> They're like, okay, let's go to Rockies. And sometimes we don't think through it in that way, but we do know whenever someone who has chaos and war within them and anxiety and depression and they walk into the room, what happens? They suck the life out of everything, right? We're familiar with that. The opposite is true. If you are walking in peace, then you come out and you suck the death of everything and, and, and you give life to everything that's happening. And I think we, un, we, we don't walk like that a lot of times because we are only relying on the peace of this world. And so we are conditioned to adapt to the room instead of change the environments that we are in. And I love that because Jesus did this. And so this is not just some sort of feeling of calmness whenever there is no issues in life. This is truly something that we develop and grow into so that the peace of God can truly reign in our life because real peace is found in, in Jesus. But Jesus has to be your prince in order for this peace to really be evident in your life. And this comes from surrendering to him as your savior and submitting to him as your Lord. I think this is why we, we are different from those who are not in faith. We have a different drumbeat that we walk to. We have, our internals have been redeemed. They have been changed. We have someone that's not lacking anything live within us. We have the Prince of Peace that is in us. And he's inviting us to surrender to him. And I know it's such a simple kind of a message, but I hope, I hope that, that we go beyond just hearing the truth and, and begin to ask God, like, God, show me, make me aware of the moment where I release your peace and latch on to the peace of the world. Make me aware whenever I'm sacrificing my feeling for this deeper peace, this shalom that's found in you. And so as I'm wrapping up, I'm going to have Leo come up and um, we have to, the Bible says, we have to be ready to bring the gospel of peace to everyone. And like I said earlier, it becomes difficult for us to bring the gospel of peace if we are not experiencing his peace on a regular basis. And I'm here to promise you that if you truly and continually surrender your life to God, you will be walking in peace far more than you ever have in your life. Because this is not just something that God wants for us in the future. He's saying you can live in peace. You can walk in peace here and now. This is part of the goodness of his kingdom. This is part of the goodness of being his children. He gives us of himself. And so I don't want to leave this morning without giving everyone an opportunity to do one of two things. To either 
surrender your life to him and make peace with God. And then the second part of it is for us to revisit our lives, those who maybe have given our lives to Christ a while ago, but life and conflict and issues have robbed us from the joy of what it means to be in his presence. And maybe the, the relationship that we have had with him has diminished and withered away. And God is calling you back here this morning. God is wanting to reignite your first love. He wants to show you and walk with you so that you can know beyond just head knowledge, but be, be able to experience the fullness of his joy and of his peace and of his love. And so with every head bowed, and this is just to give people privacy, if you don't know who, Jesus, who this Jesus is and you want to give your life to God and God is prompting you, he's convicting you, and if you're in this room or if you're watching, I want to give you this opportunity and just simply say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a mess and I've made a mess out of my life. God, I realize that I'm deficient. I realize that I am broken. I may have all the money in the world, but something is missing. I want to give my life to you this morning. I want to surrender my heart to you. Take my life. Make it what you want it to be. I receive Jesus. I believe Jesus. And I ask that you wash me. Make me clean. Make me new. And I thank you. I thank you for saying that whoever calls on your name will be saved. And so I believe that from this moment on, I am yours. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And I'm going to give just a minute for those of us maybe who have lost this first love. Maybe, maybe life has just beat you up and maybe, maybe you're blaming God for things. Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe life really is horrible and you just don't know where to start go to him he can bring the peace into your family that you're missing he can give you the answer that you're looking for he can reconcile your relationship with your spouse with your kids with your relatives but he has to be given prominence in your life in order to start that work in your life so some of you need to repent some of you need to confess and just shoot straight with God. Say, God, I've moved away from you. And I'm sorry. I let other things, other successes or failures replace you and replace my focus. And just say, God, I just recommit my life. I, I want to start fresh with you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want you to walk with me. I want you to guide me. I'm just giving you like 30 seconds to just begin this conversation with him in your own words. And everybody else, if you're good with God, just pray for those who are rededicating their life right now.
God, I thank you for the work that you're doing right, right now in our midst, God, in the place physically that's here for those of us who are in person, God, and, those, and the work that you're doing in people's homes right now, God. I know you're touching them. I know you're rejuvenating them, God. I know that you're, that you're taking their fear and their anxiety and depression and filling it with your hope and your peace. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that we cannot wander so far away that you cannot reach us, God. God, and I bless each person's prayer right now. God, I pray that you surround them with people who are on fire for you, God. So that this moment means something. So this moment is not just lip service, God. But this is a milestone. For those of us who can say that we're sick of doing life how we've done life. God, I thank you. I just feel conviction in this room. I feel God is convicting people. Don't resist Him. Please, don't resist Him. Don't resist Him. Father, I thank You. I thank You for what's happening here in this room right now. God, I thank You. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is so beautiful. Go ahead, plow through. It may, it may take you a second, but God's presence is right here. Thank you, God. I thank you. God, just continue to work, God. Continue to work. You are so amazing. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. I hope you understand that moments like this when God shows up when God convicts you this is not a feeling that everything's just gonna line itself up this is a launching point for you because the only way that you can truly walk in the peace of God is by continuing to submit to the Prince of Peace this is how you put on these shoes say God lead my life let your peace rule my soul and no matter what you face, no matter what comes your way, that is going to be the first person that you're going to go to. Say, God, what do you have to say about the situation? What do you have to say about my circumstance? What do you have to say about the news that I just heard? It can take time to retrain your brain to go to God first. But I promise you, when you do that, you begin to experience what the gospel talks about, his peace, his joy, and his love. 